three of these in one message, sequence, focus, and balance. And balance usually just kind of gets hurried through because it's toward the end of the message. And I felt like maybe we should spend more time on it this time. So, um, yeah, thou shalt be balanced. <laughs> Appreciated the, uh, the Sunday school discussion. Um, it actually was a pretty good introduction to this because one of the, one of the first examples I'm going to give in Scripture where you need to balance truth has to do with the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. So that's a good, a good illustration of how um, we need to take all of Scripture and hold it in tension. I often use the word tension. It, it, that doesn't seem like a good word to use for Scripture, and yet that's really what it is. You, you know, when you have one truth on one side and another truth on another side, and you don't throw one out in order to accept the other, it creates what feels to us like, like tension many times. Anyway, uh, also this reminded me of uh, our, Yvonne and I have been teaching Sunday school the last few weeks, and we taught, we're teaching the kids this little song here that I wrote some years ago, many years ago actually, about how God is changeless and he's always the same. He is sovereign. God is sovereign. I am is his name. Authority, his word will endure. Immutable, his character sure. And the chorus goes, God is the only one God of all gods. His omnipotence knoweth no odds. God is changeless. He's always the same, not in the sense that he never changes his mind like we talk about. But in his character, he is always the same. God is knowledge, overwhelming the mind, omniscient, no man can define. God is boundless, he's here and he's there, omnipresent, God is everywhere. So, <coughs> sequence, focus, balance. These are, I believe, three critical concerns that the church needs to wrestle with all the time. In fact, you could say the Christian needs to wrestle with all the time. Sequence has to do with keeping first things first, priority, priorities within, even within Scripture. Um, those of us who are Anabaptists have a Christocentric view of Scripture where we see Christ as the center of everything. And the New Testament, we prefer the New Testament over the Old. I'm probably going to get in trouble with some people here. <laughs> um, we believe the Old Testament is forward-looking, but its fulfillment is in the New. And then even in the New Testament, we treasure the Gospels. And even within the Gospels, we treasure the Sermon on the Mount, the teachings of Jesus. Now, that's not to suggest that the rest of Scripture doesn't matter. That's not at all what we're saying. But there is, there is priorit priorities within Scripture. Some things that come before other things. And then focus, of course, keeping our eyes on Jesus. And then this one, the third critical concept for the church, balance, embracing it all. That's what we want to look at here today. 
First of all, let's talk about the dialectical nature of Christian truth. Yeah, and if you, I, I purposefully put in those blanks to keep you tuned in so that you have to follow along. It seems paradoxical almost because it runs contrary to one's expectations. That's much the way Jesus was in much of his teachings. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. Uh, if you want to be great, you must be the servant of all. These are contrary to what we would expect. Our Bible is a Hebrew book. <coughs> wasn't invented by Americans. <laughs> We're Westerners. The Hebrew mind always expresses truth in terms of opposites. By saying at the same time two seemingly contrary things. They seem contrary. But they are not contrary. The final truth is found in holding both of these opposite truths together. In balance. Not rejecting one in order to accept the other. Or rejecting the other to, in order to accept the other one but accepting them both. And by doing so, the truths do not subtract from one another. Rather, they add weight and meaning to the whole. So if you can, we, we have digitized scales nowadays, so we, we, we lose the imagery of it. But you remember the, you've seen pictures of balance scales where, you know, so you came to the merchant and you wanted 10 pounds of grocery or 10 pounds of potatoes. So you put 10 pounds of potatoes over here and you knew it was 10 pounds because you had a 10 pound weight over here. And when it was balanced, then you knew you had 10 pounds. So <coughs> um, when we talk about balance, we're not, we're not talking about a middle of the road sort of thing or an average, like an average of opinions. Um, but we're talking about the balance of scripture, not the balance of opinion or the average, a poll, take a poll. Even within the church, we're not talking about take a poll, uh, but we're looking at scripture and the balance of scripture. And so we take one scripture and then we also take another. And sometimes, <clears throat> I, was, I was just thinking even of our experience so far in these first eight months or whatever we've been here hanging out with you all at Way of Jesus, I, I can think of at least two fairly significant issues that have come up where there, there, there's a balance that needs to be considered. You know, probably the most recent one is, is the whole to be a part of a of a larger organization or not. You know, there's, there's truths on both sides of that that, you know, should be considered. You know, one is, you know, you know, the value of accountability and we're bigger than ourselves and, you know, we, we don't want to be narrow-minded. It's just us, us four no more, you know, kind of mentality. <clears throat> but the other set of truths that need to be considered is, you know, just the, the value of the local body and working together and, you know, if you want to compare it to marriage, you know, 
how well do you think your marriage would do if you had 10 couples living in your house instead of just one or whatever. Um, <coughs> so, so that, you know, there's, I, I think almost once you, once you begin to think in terms of some of these critical concepts, you'll be amazed at how often you bump into it and think, ah, okay, there's another way to look at this. You know, another one of the issues would have to do with, you know, the vulnerability of children and, you know, how, how important it is to protect children, you know, within, within the church and within the assembly. And, but then there's also to be considered the care of even those who might hurt them and to remember that people who hurt or potentially hurt are hurting. Hurting people hurt people. And, and so we need to care for, yeah, so there's just, yeah, just keeping that in mind as we face so many different issues. Our challenge as Bible students <coughs> is that we're Westerners, we're Americans, we're not Hebrews. We didn't grow up with that mindset. We major in logic. If A equals B, B equals C, then A equals C. If this is true and that is true, then this and that is true too. We emphasize one truth at a time. Now, I say this with a mathematician sitting at my feet, and I, I'm not sure if I did a good job of defining logic here or not, but we tend to logicize things. Or we, we're linear in our thinking, whereas the Hebrew minds kind of took a more of a whole, a whole view. How, how does this all come together? We try to make harmony out of what, what is apparent contradiction. You know, even this morning as we were talking about uh, God's sovereignty versus the free will of man and, and uh, predestination, and, you know, we, we bump into those things in Scripture, and, you know, it's, it, it, it makes us uneasy. And, you know, we've we got we to gotta figure this out. And so we, we try to force a definition, and we arrange Scripture and everything to make make it fit our definition and so then you end up with the Calvinists over here and the Armenians over here or whatever and uh, forcing forth, forcing definition on scripture I think is something we need to be very careful about but be willing to just say things that sometimes seem contradictory we can trust God even though it's confusing that we should trust him. Um, yeah, we, we want to approach the Bible in a way that makes sense. We pick and choose whatever sounds most logical and we emphasize that. But we will never be able to understand real Bible truth until we're willing to adopt the Hebrew mindset, that, that total totality mindset of, Holding truth together in balance, even though, that even though there's a tension to it. If you were to talk to the fulcrum or, or the cross beam of that balancing scale, and you got 10 pounds, of, maybe you have 100 pounds over here and 100 pounds over here, that balance beam would say, ooh, I feel some tension. And you need a really strong cross beam. You couldn't just use a, you know, a bamboo stick or something. Be, you know, so... There's tension. 
And, and I think we need to be okay with that as Christians. We need to learn to live with the tension of Scripture and learn to live with the tension of life. Life has a certain amount of tension in it and stuff that's not always easy to understand or figure out. Error has always crept into the church when it has refused to hold paradoxical truth together in balance. And I, I knew there was something I was going to research a little more, and then I forgot. Uh, Gnosticism, and maybe some of you are aware of some of those um, early errors that came into the church. I think if you would look at them, you'd, you'd, you'd find that somebody was emphasizing one truth and kind of neglecting another. And so they, they end up with this philosophy or theology. And we can do the same. It's not just the early church. All of the earliest heresies of the church stem from the refusal. By the way, I, I learned a lot of what I'm sharing here from a book written by James Callas on the life of Paul. It's the story of Paul is the name of the book. And uh, talked about how Paul was good at bringing things seemingly, you know, yeah, he brought the, the, the Greeks into the church and so forth. <coughs> the root meaning of the word heresy does not mean untruth, but half-truth. So it's, it's half the truth, but it's cut off from the other half of the truth. And we're going to look at a 16. We're going to use 16 illustrations besides the two I already shared with you that I've observed here at Way of Jesus. Truth taken in isolation, sundered from counter-truth, produces error. Romans 1, 18 and 25 talks about <coughs> those people who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They were holding the truth, but they were holding it unequally. They were holding it in unrighteousness. In fact, it changed the truth into a lie. So by doing this, you can take a truth. If you say God is sovereign, and that's all you say, you've spoken untruth. You have to recognize that man is also responsible. He doesn't just pick and choose who's going to go to heaven or hell. Even though there are some fairly fundamental uh, churches that would say that. God creates some people to damnation. That's what they would say. That's a heresy. Because it doesn't wrestle with the balancing truth of man's responsibility. Second Timothy, rightly dividing the word of truth to make a straight cut, to dissect correctly. <clears throat> this is true in many instances. They're really not opposites, although they seem to be. So let's look at this first one. God is sovereign on the one hand and yet man is responsible we probably talked about that one enough already um, 
Malin did a good job of leading that discussion. Another one is take the book of Galatians versus the book of James. I mean, Galatians says, you know, we are saved by grace, not of ourselves. And Paul gets very emphatic in there, and he says, if, 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 even, if even I sometimes say something else, or even an angel from heaven comes and says something else, it is wrong. Don't listen to it. We are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. But then the book of James comes along and says, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. So just the value of reading both James and Galatians and appreciating it and not kind of, you know, I think it was Luther, Martin Luther that referred to the book of James as straw. That's, that's just kind of straw. Now maybe I was doing that when I said the Gospels is more important than the epistles. I didn't mean to say that. But we, we, need, to, we need to take it all and, and allow the tension of that. In a, in, in, and if we're willing to embrace it, um, we'll come to, I think, healthy places, healthy decisions, healthy theology, healthy practices. On the one hand, believers are under grace totally under grace. We are saved by grace. Whereas unbelievers are under the law. Um, and that, that should give us a burden for unbelievers because they are under the condemnation of the law. They are, they are condemned under the law. And so we invite them into Christ, to be in Christ under grace. Faith on the one hand versus good works on the other. Good works. <laughs> this one, if you want to have an interesting discussion, try this one. <laughs> I won't even go there. I'm not sure what I am. <laughs> but it's amazing at Maranatha Bible School where I went many years ago, um, I, f I, I felt like they took a balanced approach to it at least in one year for Revelation, they'd bring an amillennial teacher in, and the next year for the book of Revelation, they'd bring a premillennial in. So if, if you came every year, you might get a balance. And you can talk to Sam Yoder. He's gone on to be with the Lord. At one point, he was my oldest Facebook friend. I think he was like 82 years old, and he was pretty active on Facebook. Um, he, was a, he was an amillennial. And you could listen to him, and he'd have a stack of scripture this high, and it just all made sense, you know? It just, wow, yeah, yeah, I think I'm an millennial. And then you'd listen to, well, Leighton Martin was another one, uh, but then there would be, oh, who are some of the premillennial? Well, I think Richard Herr, is he from Pennsylvania somewhere here? Um, and you'd listen to them just as committed to Christ, just as committed to the scriptures, just as filled with the Spirit, just as high of a stack of scripture, and you say, oh yeah, maybe I'm a premillennial. But just taking it all, and then being, being willing to back away. So when you read scripture, you can't quite figure it out, just, just say so, you know, just say, hey, you know, I don't, I don't understand this, rather than trying to force it into my camp, 
you know. Love versus truth. One scripture talks about speaking the truth in love. That is a good illustration of how we need to balance truth and love. Some of the difficult decisions we need to make. Love without truth is really less than real love. If you're not willing to speak the truth, if you tell your kids, oh, yeah, you can just play on the street, it's fun, nice place to play kickball or whatever, but you don't tell them the truth, that there's a lot of traffic up and down this. Is that loving? On the other hand, truth without love. If all you do is <coughs> load people down with truth without a sense of compassion, who was a, I think it was recently talking about, if you are convinced that somebody loves you, they can say almost anything to you in almost any tone of voice if you're convinced that they love you. And so that's, God calls us to that kind of love so that the truth that we need to share is not hindered at all. So that it can produce health and healing. Separation from the world. <coughs> Salt of the earth. Both of those are scripture. And yet, they seem contradictory. You know, will we be like the Catholic priest who climbed to the top of a 30-foot pole and lived up there for how many years? I forget. He lived up there. He wanted to be separate from the, from the world. Um, have to be salt. If salt is going to make a difference, it has to come into contact with. And by the way, salt isn't always feel good. You ever have salt in a wound? It might be good for it. It doesn't feel that good. So separation from the world, separation from the evil of the world. Yeah, there should be no time that we want to, we want to be, Paul says, simple concerning evil, wise concerning the things of the Lord, simple concerning evil. But we have to get in contact with the world. If we're going to make a difference, we have to, we have to be there, interacting with them, engaging with them, building relationships with, with people. Here's two things that can sometimes seem contradictory. Evangelism versus discipleship. So it's one thing to call people into Christ to accept Jesus. You can do that out on the street. It's not that hard. Um, <clears throat> but if that's all we do, oh, I won 10 people to Christ out on the street, and then I forget about them. That, that's, that's kind of not very healthy. So I should care about the, the, the follow-up, the discipleship walking with these people, leading in closer and closer to the Lord. Ray Comfort, <coughs> an evangelist from Los Angeles area who originally came from New Zealand, talks about, of course, he's, he's a little more Calvinistic. He would be more of the once saved, always saved. He, he doesn't believe in backsliders. He says backsliders are people that haven't slid forward to begin with. Um, and much of that is because of this. You know, you can, 
you can have a big crusade and you can have hundreds if not thousands of people respond to the gospel and two years later you hardly know anything happened so probably accepted Christ to begin with but just did not continue to walk with him so on the other hand I think a lot of times we as conservative Anabaptists maybe are better at the discipleship thing but we don't have a clue how to win somebody to Christ you know and so it takes both for a healthy church to be a healthy Christian here in uh, I think it's in the book of Galatians is this where this is found I, I was going to look that up again where it talks about bear one another's burdens and then just a few verses later one way or the other I forget which comes first let every man bear his own burden that seems like a contradiction but it's not it's two truths that need to be appreciated this here come this really isn't <coughs> directly related to scripture so much as Dr. Marlon Howe in his Hope for the Family series talks about how men are winged and women are rooted uh, and, th and this isn't always true sometimes men can be more rooted and women can be more winged and by wings he says they're more inclined to be take risks and to go out and adventure and women are, like to are, are family like to yeah are rooted um, that's why women are mothers because they're very stable very um, one time in a, I think it was Time Magazine <coughs> there was a picture during a real estate bust I think or when the market was really booming there was a picture of a couch uh, like a two-sided couch and on the one side a man was sitting and he was no uh, let's illustrate this on, on the other on the one side a woman was sitting and she was knitting a uh, a crochet like wall hanging that said home sweet home she was going to hang it on the wall on the other side her husband was making a a, s a little sign to put in the front yard that said for sale <laughs> just kind of illustrates some of the the wingness of the men the rootedness of the women and sometimes it's the opposite but we need both so when it comes to we need adventurous people in the church people that can see over the third or fourth mountain range always dreaming of places the church needs to go but then you also need people that hey let's let's have a healthy body right here and let's care for the kids and yeah parenting styles um, I think we have a church that illustrates good parenting here I have never thought otherwise here uh, on the one hand you have approving parents kids need to know that they are loved and that they're approved of and and uh, <coughs> affirmed on the other hand parents need to be an authority not not necessarily authoritarian 
where it's kind of heavy-handed and kind of with a big stick sort of thing, but authoritative. Parents need to be in charge, in control. <coughs> I think it was Bruce Wilkinson that talks about the three stages of parenting. First, we control our kids, and then we coach our kids, and then we counsel. We go from control, coaching, to counsel. If we never control them, we'll never be able to coach them, and forget about <laughs> any counseling you'll do later in life. But, but we don't control them when they're teenagers. You know, if they haven't learned to honor and respect the authority when they're young, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's amazing how, how sometimes even in teenage years, especially if parents change, if parents are willing to grow and kids see their parents coming into new places of health, it makes a huge difference on kids, even teenagers. And then eventually, I still counsel my kids, and they're all adults. They don't always take my counsel, but I still counsel them. Um, but that's all it should be. I shouldn't be tra trying to control my adult kids. Um, but it takes both for healthy uh, families. Flexibility versus stability. Uh, a church needs to be flexible. As Christians, we need to be flexible. We need to be willing to change if we need to and look at issues differently. And um, That song I showed you a bit ago, the meter of that song is very much a hymn-like sort of meter. You can tell I was born in 1961 19, instead of 1981. But now we sing more contemporary songs with a bit of a syncopation. and We need to be flexible, I think. Move, adapt. At the same time, we need to be stable. We need to have a sense of stability. I often carry a comb in my pocket. I don't have one here. But remember the days before they made flexible combs? They just had these rigid, stiff plastic combs. And you'd sit in your pocket and you'd sit down. They'd smither going to 30 different pieces. Um, well, take a flexible comb and you can bend that thing and, you know, it'll, it'll go back to pretty much the original, but it's been influenced. That's, that's how we need to be. Flexibility is a strength. Flexibility is not a weakness. Rigid, rigidity is a weakness. We need to be stable, but at the same time flexible. the individual believer on the one hand versus the body of believers on the other. Kind of related to that whole conference thing. You know, any one of us could be a Christian all by ourselves. You don't have to belong to a church to be a Christian. You can be a Christian. Paul, uh, John was a Christian on the Isle of Patmos. He was all by himself. Um, but there's value in the body of believers. But if, if all... If there's so much emphasis on the body of believers, and we, we, we can never hardly live life ourselves, and if, if God forbid you'd ever be on an Isle of Patmos, you know, so it, it takes both. Under the authority of God versus under God-given authority, all of us obviously should be under the authority of God if we're truly following God. There's also value in being under 
having a proper sense of being under authority, even earthy, earthly authority, parents, uh, teachers. You know, what if none of the kids away of Jesus saw themselves as being under authority? <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> uh, so there's a proper God-given authority that we need to all be sensitive to and I would, I would caution anybody who doesn't have someone that they're answerable to, even pastors or even bishops in some of these conferences and so forth. I mean, everybody needs to be under authority. If you're in a place where no one can fire you, it's probably a bit dangerous. Finances. Financial risk versus financial responsibility. Uh, takes both. And we're glad that we have good bookkeepers that can keep track of things and give account for every penny that's spent. But at the same time, if all we care about is not losing any pennies, I never get anything done. I, again, I come back to what Steve said to me the other. Would you say that again, the not letting the bad economy control your decisions. Uh, how was it you said that again? We're not going to participate in a down economy or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's not be fearful. Let's, you know, obviously we don't want to be foolish and spend money we don't have, but take some risks. Put, put your money out there. Take a risk. Yeah. So even marriage with this whole love and respect thing, and and uh, and I, I realize there's debate about this too, but I still believe that women primarily need love. They also need respect, uh, and and husbands primarily need respect, but they also need love, um, and we're all different. Couples are different. Marriages are different. Uh, but God's word is God's word. And I think Ephesians 5 makes some of this fairly clear. Um, but we need both. Good marriages need both love and respect uh, to be healthy. Anyway, that's, those are my thoughts on balance. Thou shalt be balanced, the 11th commandment. Maybe you have some questions or concerns or corrections. Probably way too much truth to that. Um, you know, I think I think some I, I think even people coming in f from other denominations, I've heard that that they just appreciate the practical ways in which we live out our faith. Um, but those of us who grew up in it know that there's some 
impractical things about it too, you know. Um, you know, and so I, th I think it was Val Yoder, I'm not sure what you think of him, but I, I, I heard him talk about kind of in summarizing the different denominations, how you have the more the charismatics and then you have the kind of the Bible churches and then you have the Anabaptists and The Bible church, the, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So Bible churches are the truth. Charismatic churches are the life. And the Anabaptist churches are the way. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. You're suggesting maybe that we could even do better at discipleship. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. The, the, the only, yeah, what I shared is the only where place I would have gotten that from. But, um, yeah, no, I think, I think we need both, I guess, is the point that I'm making. I know that we are pretty weak on evangelism many times, and Baptist people are. And, uh, you know, how many people have you led to Christ this past year? Um, but we want to do both. We want to lead people to Christ, and we want to walk with them. Anything else? Thank you for your attention, and God bless you for being who you are. Yvonne and I enjoy life here with you and look forward to more of the same. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll pray here. God, we thank you so much for your love to us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that, yeah, that you are our Savior and that that we can look to you and that we can trust you and that especially as we consider the Godhead so perfect and sovereign and trustworthy and Lord just give us faith to lean into who you are to embrace all that you are and to walk with you humbly in Jesus name Amen